0: Welcome to MuggleCast episode 424.
1: I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. Yay, everybody's here this week. Yay. <laughs> hey, Laura, how have you been?
2: Good. How are you? It's been a minute.
1: I know. Let's just do the episode ourselves and forget about Andrew and Eric. Sounds great. We could Bye. do that. Bye.
2: <laughs> Laura and Micah's prediction corner. Were,
0: were the rumors true? Were you two Feuding? Feuding? Well, yeah, because like, Laura, you were off a week that oh. uh, Micah was on and then mm-hmm. Micah was off the week Laura was on. It was, I don't know, I was
3: worried. Yeah, yeah. this this whole will they, won't they thing is getting pretty crazy, honestly. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I think I like to think of us like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, you know, it's been a years long feud and we finally have peace at last. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Micah loves Katy Perry. That, that was a great analogy. Oh,
2: who doesn't? I did not know that.
0: Huge fan. love firework great song (laughs) so on today's episode we are going to discuss the final chapter of half blood prince we've made it y'all actually almost one year later exactly we started half blood prince chapter by chapter july 2018 it was a whole different time because laura wasn't even with us (laughs) it's crazy it's crazy that we did it in one
3: year that's nice
0: yeah i'm pleased that it took A year, Because, of course, we've had these other episodes where big news has happened. Of course, Crimes of Grindelwald came out over that time. So we uh, took a good month off of chapter by chapter to discuss the movie. Mm. But anyway, first, we have a couple of news stories. First of all, you may have seen in your social media feeds over the past week, there was this report by not a reputable website, so I'm not even going to name them, that said that a Harry Potter TV series was in development. And, of course, this went crazy. This went viral because everybody gets really excited when stories like this appear. Of course, some people are like, enough, no more, <laughs> no more. Personally, I would be excited about it. Did you guys see this report when it was going around over the
1: week? I did. I missed this one. I missed it. Yeah. Okay.
2: I So I saw it and I felt the spark of excitement for two seconds, but then I saw the source and I was like, no. There's no way this is real.
0: And, of course, this happens a lot. But So I actually reached out to representatives for J.K. Rowling to get a comment. I understand that another Harry Potter website went to WB. WB didn't reply to them, but J.K. Rowling's people did um, reply to me. And they said, no, this is just absolutely not true at all. Sorry. So so that was a nice little... scoop to get but it was also a big nothing burger so not that big of a deal it's
1: nice that you had communication from somebody in touch with jk rowling
0: yeah right and then i my next question was where is she why has she left twitter and they said andrew please go away
3: huh (laughs) (laughs) yeah must be going on like six months there shouldn't mustn't we yeah that's crazy
0: yeah it's been a while
3: joe watch you know where you she? know why I'm in
0: touch with JK Rowling's people? And by that, I just mean I have their email address. It's because I get myself in trouble on Hypeable, and then they email me, and like, you know, they're, hey, Andrew, take that down. What the hell are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What exactly gets you in trouble? Can
1: can you elaborate there?
0: Oh, well, remember when um, the new edition of Fantastic Beasts came out, and uh, there was that new forward? No? No. Well, it leaked online. So they reached reached out about that because we had republished it. And then there was one other thing, but I can't remember what it was. And that communication was the same contact. uh, I used that contact from that communication to ask about this TV story. But anyway, I do just also want to mention that I feel like a Harry Potter TV series is inevitable. I think we've touched on this a few times in the past. Mm. Warner Brothers is putting together their own streaming service now. It's to compete with Netflix, with Amazon, with Apple, with Disney Plus. They need big brands, and I am sure they have already pleaded with J.K. Rowling to let them do this. But the question is: Is J.K. Rowling going to let them do this? And I'm not convinced that
3: she would say yes. I'm not convinced she has the power anymore. Um, she does. Well, yeah, she I don't know. did
0: Fantastic Beasts. I mean, she she said she credited uh, Kevin. Sujihara the CEO, who's not well, there anymore yeah you know, yes, yes. it
3: but they're relying on her to write the fantastic Beast films whereas if you do a TV series based on the books you already have the work published so they don't need her um
0: but, it, that's not true you can't
3: take somebody else's work that that's like us going to uh <laughs> Hollywood and be like hey we got a great idea well I'm saying if they have the adaptation rights she doesn't need to do any extra work is the thing right but it's not like she can say no and then because the the work is already written and At least in 80 years, it'll be in public domain, so... (laughs) Well, yeah, sure, in 80
0: years, but they could not do it without her or her representative's permission right now. It's, I mean, it's just... But I'm
3: saying they're not going to be relying on her over the course of the next seven years to actually write additional material for it, so it's significantly easier.
0: And that's that's why I think they should reboot Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. the books. I think they should adapt books one through seven for a TV series because they could say to J.K. Rowling, look... We want, we need your permission to do this. But here's the beauty of it we don't need you to write it. We don't really need you involved. We have the books as our guide. We know what we need to do. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I have a hard time imagining her not being involved at all in mm-hmm. something like that because I would think, I mean, she was always very complimentary of the movies and I thought was very professional about the way that she approached them, even though we know the movies weren't perfect, right? And I could definitely see her wanting to use a TV show as an opportunity to correct some of the things that the movies got wrong, you know? I
3: think it's a benefit of them. Mm-hmm. But as an artist, I would be bored and worried about repeating myself Um, by now. You know, that's kind of like why Fantastic Beasts is kind of a fundamentally different thing. We know there's bleed over, and, but to to preside over casting of a new what she called the magical seven superior seven uh people you know I, it just it wouldn't interest me personally um even though watching that happen would be interesting as a spectator i wouldn't want to be jk rowling feeling like i'm in the same place i was in 1999 casting for the first harry potter film mm-hmm. no it just seems like what am i doing with my life or as an artist yeah
0: right It well so it does feel too soon and it would be weird, because then you worry, like, what does this mean for the theme park rides? Now people see that version of Harry Potter, and then they're watching this new Harry Potter. Yeah. So, yeah, there are definitely some hurdles to cross there. But, again, I just do find it inevitable. Selfishly, I think it would be one of the best things to ever happen uh, for MuggleCast, because imagine how much more we would have to talk about <laughs> That's suddenly. Trail.
3: Episode by episode. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, uh, we could we could do two episodes a week. There'd
3: be so much to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm am I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the inevitability of it all as well. Um, yeah. I'll put that out there.
0: Anyway, Eric, I think you wanted to mention that Puffs the Play, which we've raved about a lot on this show previously, is now
3: coming to Chicago, huh? Yeah, they've been our sponsor before. Uh, we really like them. Uh, we've seen them in New York. And uh, we were talking just a couple of weeks ago about whether or not Hamilton uh, closing meant Cursed Child was coming to Chicago, which is, right. I guess, as yet unconfirmed. Um, but almost like five days later, it was announced that, uh, Puffs the Play will be performed at Otherworld Theater next summer, 2020. Great. Um, right. and Otherworld Theater's in town. It's right next to Wrigley Field. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's a good theater. It, um, they just relocated to a new space and they pride themselves on science fiction and fantasy works. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Hmm. I was just there for, uh, Science Friday and Cephalopod Week, learned a lot. Um, Wow, that sounds (laughs) nerd-tastic. It was really, it was nerd-tastic. But um, it'll be really exciting to see, to have Puffs in town. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's uh, Chicago or Chicago adjacent, just know, next summer there's going to be an opportunity for you to see Puffs. Now, do you feel
1: any different now about going to see this, Eric, given that you're no longer a Hufflepuff?
2: (laughs) Wait, what? This is news to me. Well... Okay, I
3: kind of joked that I was a Gryffindor now because WizardingWorld.com made you resort, and then they put me back in Gryffindor, Lara, where I had the robes for since two thousand four. And... Oh my god! <laughs> I know, I know, but I I think that um I'm gonna state once and for all I'm gonna I, I think I'm gonna re- I'm gonna stick back to mostly Hufflepuff with like I can still wear the Gryffindor robes. Don't give me shit. Yeah. So that's 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 my new. Identity. No, I'm I'm really excited for Puffs. I'm excited for what this means for local Hufflepuffs in the area,
0: <laughs> local Harry Potter fans. <laughs> game changer. In local general. It'll be great.
3: It'll be great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. They also announced they're leaving New York, so. Oh, yeah. Andrew, I did want to ask about Wizards Unite because I wasn't on last week's episode, and I, I'm trying to work my way through the game, and I... Yeah, I enjoy it, but I honestly have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what what What's the end goal? Well, you played Pokemon Go. You should know. Well, Pokemon, you got to catch them all, right? That's the objective, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the objective in Wizards Unite? Find them all. Save them all. Unconfound them. So we
0: admitted on last week's episode that we're not exactly following the story. Um, but yes, you do need to save them all. You do have that registry. And I. this was one of my critiques Last week I said I think it needs to be easier to look at everything you've collected. It's kind of broken up right
3: now. So yeah, you're you still need to collect them all. Here's the tick box to understanding Wizards Unite. Number 1, is your sound on? No. <laughs> okay. Neither is Lars. And number 2, are you reading the dialogue between Harry Potter and all the other characters? You mean 40-year-old Harry and the other characters? Yes. Yes. V- vaguely. I
1: mean I Okay, neither it's okay
2: is Lars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no not really i mean and i also don't follow what the hell's going on <laughs> yeah we, we're
0: we not really following it either we did get some emails by the way and thank you to those who sent them in with uh some advice and i know some of the people who listened last week also found what we had to say helpful so um what, what level are you at micah i'm level eight wow okay.
2: okay you're better than me and me i just got to level seven last night
0: six here uh i'm battling a uh a buckbeak right right now, so a hippogriff right now. As so. you're recording it? Yeah, well I loaded it up when you mentioned it.
1: I just I did the impulse. same
2: thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So everyone just take a uh break and uh, let's I can't play the game. I'm out of
2: spell energy, so it doesn't matter.
0: Oh. Yeah. Oh,
1: finally well, You got can him. use coins to buy.
2: Yeah, but I Oh we're not paying I'm this. out of coins and I'm not gonna buy the coins.
1: Micah, have you spent money? No, 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 no. I'm I had coins from collecting them throughout the game.
2: Yeah, same here. But I spent all of them.
1: I am
0: level 12. And uh, last night at the bar, I actually exchanged friend codes with a couple of people. Oh. So people are still playing it. By the way, also ran into one of our listeners, if you saw on the MuggleCast Instagram, Shelby. I did see that. Hey, Shelby. It was nice seeing you last night. Okay, so before we get to Half Blood Prince chapter by chapter, it's time now for MuggleCast TBT. This one is going to take us back to episode 77. February 2007, you're going to recognize at least one voice you haven't heard in a while. Here's the clip. This concerns, uh, this was a prediction we unintentionally made about Cursed Child.
2: Just I was curious as to why Voldemort never became a daddy. Can you imagine that thought? Well, I hope you guys have a great day and pickles to you too.
4: Thanks for that, Chris. Uh,
1: Voldemort just has no love. He can't make any love because he has no love. So therefore he can't be a daddy. (laughs) That was the best answer to a voicemail
0: question well, i It's true, though. It might be a good way it to is. pass on your legacy. And I mean, obviously, Harry inherited something from, from especially his father. But, you know, if Voldemort wanted to truly
3: – but, I mean, then his son could die. I can't – I just no, no, can't I, imagine I'd it. I like this voicemail because it, I think it illustrates Voldemort. I mean, we don't know. That Voldemort doesn't have a kid. You know, people like Bellatrix, as as stated. We don't I know. I father. But, but, uh, yeah. You know, but be a Star we, we, Wars don't, scene we don't, don't know. It could yeah. be hidden away. could be twins that were separated to opposite ends of the galaxy. We don't know.
2: Just so was curious as to. <laughs>
3: Did I hear an awkward Kevin laugh in yeah, there? Yeah, he like, I heard Ugh. that,
2: too. <laughs> <laughs> that was my
0: favorite part. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, there we go. We kind of predicted that. Voldemort might have a child, and he did. It's definitely yeah, one Bellatrix of the.
3: More... Bellatrix was, huh? Yeah, that that Bellatrix was willing, and that the kid might be hidden away. That's pretty yeah, pretty sharp. Yeah, on point. But also, I, don't think, it's like, it's a,
2: I feel like y'all were kind of kidding. I think a
1: little <laughs> bit. Yeah, is it a prediction? If you were kind of half full of shit when you were giving it,
0: <laughs> no, but it's great to look back on because then you're like, oh wow, we actually ended up being right about it. That's cool.
1: Yeah. It It is truly amazing and to look back. I think I mentioned this when I recorded that little bite for the show last week, going through all the different documents that Kim was nice enough to put together, how on point we were with some of our predictions, whether we were joking around or not. I just think it's really funny to look back and see with some of these just really how accurate we were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating to... Look back
0: on, and we're going to continue doing it each week here on the show and on social media, MuggleCast, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah. So it's time now for chapter by chapter, and since this is the final chapter, we're going to do something a little special this week. We are going to catch everybody up on where we stand <laughs> in Half-Blood Prince by recapping every single chapter so far. and. Those of you who have been following very closely over the past year might recall that we actually didn't do our seven word summaries for the first three chapters. So we came up with new ones for those ahead of today's episode. And Dumbledore is going to join us to introduce each chapter so we can keep oh, track. Yay. Yes. And then we'll jump right into chapter thirty. <laughs> so this'll be this'll be fun to edit. So here we Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: is he he skyping in or is he joining by google hangout what's he's just here he's just always here he has no time Uh, for interviews he's just did you
3: hear that pop he just (laughs) (laughs) aberrated.
0: there he is
3: (laughs) all right chapter one the other side it has magic two chapter two snape really messed things up at home
4: (laughs) chapter three
2: dumbledore rescues harry from an unbearable summer
3: Chapter four. Dumbledore reveals Slughorn is a chair today.
4: (laughs) Chapter five.
3: Fleur was entering Harry's room and
1: existed.
3: (laughs) Chapter six.
2: Diagon Alley looks really sad and desolate.
3: Chapter seven. The tasty pheasant boards scrumptiously Belby's mouth. That was our worst one. (laughs) Objectively, yes. Yes, that was our horrible worst one.
2: Yeah, that doesn't really tell me what happened in that chapter.
1: Oh, I think it does. Perfect. It sounds like uh, the start of a dirty fanfic. (laughs) Good.
4: Chapter eight.
1: Harry feels really frustrated by Snape's attitude.
4: Chapter
3: nine.
2: Potions is taught by a quirky walrus.
3: (laughs) Chapter 10. A memory comes before another big reveal. Chapter eleven
1: Harry tries to prune Buckbeak's big lunch
2: <laughs> Chapter twelve Draco is trying out poison necklaces. Hooray
4: Chapter thirteen
3: Tom is very disturbed by Albus's presence.
4: Chapter fourteen
3: Ron hates being left out of snogging.
4: Chapter fifteen
2: Harry parties hard when with Luna Party Good. <laughs>
3: That's probably my favorite. <laughs> Chapter 16. Rufus tries to convince Harry by persuasion.
1: Chapter 17. Young wizards can make horcruxes from murders.
3: Chapter 18.
2: Ron doesn't really love Romilda Vane wholeheartedly.
3: Chapter 19. Quidditch takes a backseat to Draco's activities.
2: Chapter 20.
1: Voldemort tries again to obtain Dumbledore's allowance.
2: Chapter 21. Harry searches for Draco unsuccessfully, but determinedly.
4: Chapter 22.
3: Aragog causes Harry no issues with Slughorn. Chapter 23.
1: Secrets are discovered inside the Slughorn office.
4: Chapter 24.
2: <laughs> Harry almost gets discovered by, <laughs> by Snape. <laughs> Let me do that again. Harry, Harry almost gets discovered by Snape bathroom. <laughs> mm.
3: I think we ran out of words on that one. We did. <laughs> Chapter
4: 25.
3: Harry discovers who listened to the prophecy. Chapter 26. Together, they enter the mysterious boat
4: ride. Chapter 27. Dumbledore goes over the lightning-struck thingy.
3: <laughs> oh, bye, Dumbledore. <laughs> Goodbye.
4: <laughs> Chapter 28.
2: Harry chases Snape down onto the grounds.
4: Chapter 29.
3: After Dumbledore's death, Harry regroups with friends.
4: Chapter 30.
3: Harry feels really bad about breaking Dumbledore.
2: <laughs> wow! <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> where do
0: you think you were? Where? Where did you
3: think that was going to go, Eric? Uh, up, breaking up with he breaks up with Ginny in this chapter. Oh. <laughs> um, but you know, I think it, I think it works because uh, Her- Hermione tells him in this chapter to not keep blaming himself for everything that's going wrong. So yeah, I, I think it I think it really does work, and Harry does break down in this chapter as well as break up. Mm-hmm. So I feel true.
0: Good. So Micah, you'll take us through this final chapter today.
1: Yeah. And uh, I just want to say those seven word summaries, some of them are definitely uh, keepers. I I mean, I would would put them on the wall of fame just for how (laughs) amazing they are.
0: Yes, yes. They seem to get better as we went on. Hmm. Maybe it was because Laura was here. Some of those early ones are really
2: wild. I don't know. I mean, Harry almost gets discovered by Snape Bathroom. (laughs) I was on for that one. (laughs) So I don't think you can credit me for anything.
1: Yeah, and, and the whole pruning Buckbeak's big lunch.
0: I, uh, <laughs> I I don't know, was I on that episode? I just think
1: we weren't ready to go there. No. I, I think I think we should have just, you know, whatever word came to mind, that should just been what was
3: thrown out there. And if it was uh you know it gets us in trouble with iTunes, so be it. <laughs> the fun thing to do is to just look at the first word really, and and you cause you can read the arcs, like it goes from Voldemort to Draco to Ron to you know relationships to quidditch to Voldemort to Draco like it it just kind of it ebbs and flows between like the characters of the subjects so it i think it does accurately portray the various things going on in this book i i love this segment and i'm thrilled that we've now completed it
1: mm-hmm. yes i look forward uh to potentially doing this with other chapters uh should we should we do that yeah, yeah. All right. So we've reached the final chapter of of Half-Blood Prince, The White Tomb. And the chapter really opens up with a lot of reflection and a lot of arrivals on the part of characters that are going to attend Dumbledore's funeral. And one of the things I noted, and it's not really the first thing that happens in the chapter, but – You know, there's this really great description of Madame Maxime arriving, kind of similar to Goblet of Fire, a bit of a throwback uh, to when the carriage uh, lands at Hogwarts and Harry notes how some students may have even been seeing this uh, for the first time because they're not accustomed to it. But I thought it really spoke, and and we can get into this with other characters, but it really did speak to... um, the respect that Dumbledore had amongst the wizarding community, the fact that you would have somebody from um, Goblet of Fire and and really from another part of the world showing up to pay her respects to Dumbledore. Yeah. 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 Well, of course,
0: because of the Triwizard Tournament, I think that was a factor. But yeah, I do want to talk about the guest list because it is very interesting. I'm kind of mad that at least one person showed up. And then I wonder where other people are from his past. So we'll talk about that later. But I also liked, correct me if I'm wrong, but J.K. Rowling doesn't even specifically say Madame Maxine, right? You just get the description.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's like it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have Seamus arguing with his mom. And there, there's a note that a lot of parents have already pulled their kids out of Hogwarts. Right. And Andrew, I wanted to ask you, what the hell's taken them so long? Uh, you know, <laughs> It took the headmaster falling off of the, you know, however tall tower.
3: It's uh, the highest. To, it's the highest. To tower. the
1: highest tower. Yeah. I mean. Well,
3: look, it's the gives? end of
0: the year anyway, right? So maybe the parents think, oh, nothing can happen in a... In these final few days, but yes, again, Micah. I mean, Hogwarts is a security nightmare, and and maybe they should have taken them out sooner.
2: Andrew, I, wonder, I
1: think you could write a book. You could. <laughs> all the all the ways Hogwarts is a
0: Hogwarts security
1: colon security nightmare.
0: Hogwarts a nightmare. New York Times bestseller.
2: I wonder what these parents are doing who are pulling their children out of school, like. Are they sending them to other wizarding schools? Are they getting transfers? Are they going to be homeschooled? Hmm.
0: I would imagine they're just riding it out, just in a, like a wait and see mode. Hmm. And again, because we are at the end of the year, they don't really need to put them anywhere else immediately. Right. So maybe they're just waiting to see what the ministry does. What happens now that Dumbledore is passed? Who takes over would as you? headmaster? I mean, that's a big question.
3: That That's an important question. Right. Um, It is sort of uh, exciting. And and with the Seamus, you know, fighting with his mother, um, good for him, by the way. That's pretty cool where he's like, at least let me stay for the funeral. And she consents Um, that it's hard to get a room in Hogsmeade for how many people are coming in both to see Dumbledore and to, to get their kids. But it's mostly just to see Dumbledore like there's. If it's hard to get a room in Hogsmeade, several people that are the delegation from the Ministry of Magic are being put up in the castle. Like this is a a huge event. This is like this is like Woodstock, but it's a funeral, so not Woodstock. as fun. Um, sad Woodstock. Yeah, sad Woodstock. And so you know, it really is special um, to see that just so many people from around the world are turning up. Yeah. Well,
2: you can you can compare it to any time a major. Like a majorly respected um public servant passes i mean i think I feel like the most recent example of this would be John McCain, right, and when you looked at his funeral, you saw a similar sort of thing, right like you saw people from like all corners come together to celebrate the man,
1: yeah mm-hmm. absolutely a little bit surprising though that parents would look to pull their children out of Hogwarts. And it's understandable given what's just happened, but also, wouldn't you want to allow the students along the lines of Seamus and and the fight that he has with his mom to be able to pay respects? Now, maybe some of the children that are first or second years don't necessarily know Dumbledore as well, Mm -hmm. but certainly the older students would have been with him for six, seven years. And
3: want to be able to to pay their respects to him. It definitely, definitely sets a good example to have your kid, you know, understand what a loss the world has just suffered, but it is lost on some kids too, and some parents too, I think.
0: Yeah. It's also a way for them to cope with his passing, mm-hmm. to take them out before his funeral, I think, does them no favors. Absolutely. And, and they also want to be there with their fellow students.
1: Right. Eric, I'll let you handle this next point because it is about Ginny, and (laughs) there's still a bit of a rift it seems between her and fleur despite the fact that molly seems to have made amends with her but she's still throwing out some snide comments yeah and
3: i'm surprised by this not really sure why well at this point so we've gone back to normalcy kind of um harry ron and hermione and Ginny. it's just there's there's a there's a, a quartet now it's no longer a trio it's a quartet it's not going to last very long. Um, but they just naturally go down to the grounds together and Ginny's very comfortable talking with Harry. But she does make this unfortunate comment about, well, Molly's, Molly's finally okay with Fleur. I guess I'll have to be too. I just think Ginny's kind of shaken up about this whole build thing. Her brother was attacked, nearly killed. And I think she makes kind of like, you know, a lighthearted joke, but it is a little bit, you know, I was person who back in uh, Excess of Phlegm said, what's the deal? Like all these women are hating on Fleur and that's kind of shitty. It still bothers me a little bit for
1: sure. Could it be a bit of immaturity on her part? I mean, we tend to look towards Hermione and Ginny as being more mature characters at times throughout the course of the series. But in this moment, it feels a little bit like she's being immature, treating Fleur a certain way with really no, No reason. I mean, Fleur has shown that she cares quite a bit about Ginny's brother, and yet
3: she's still ragging on her pretty hard. I agree. There's sort of like a a tier system of, of people who hate on Fleur. Molly was number one, but then just in the previous chapter, they were holding each other and crying and making apologies. Fleur has revealed herself not to be this shallow person it may be it may be um jealousy still about Floor's looks, like the uncertainty, uh like self consciousness coming from people that, that cause her to project, you know, this negative, oh I guess I'll have to put up with her. Um but it, it was a favorite pastime for all the Weasleys last summer, um, to kind of rag on Floor a little bit. So I think it's probably just it's something that's on its way out, but is not quite all the way out. So, you know, it takes I think that's well, what it is.
2: And this is a thing that happens in families. And I think something that is really significant here is that Floor is not only very different from the Weasleys in that she sort of comes from this very like upper, I assume, like higher, like upper middle class background. Mm. And so that probably feels threatening. Also, the fact that she's foreign and she's French. And unfortunately, all of those things tied together tend to be stereotyped as making somebody snobby or really shallow. And I have a feeling that these were a lot of the preconceptions that the Weasleys had about Fleur's character until she actually gave them reason to believe, oh, no, that actually isn't who this person is. And I sort of read Ginny's reaction to this as being somewhat sheepish, Mm. like, oh, I, I guess I have to give her a chance now. You know? Yeah,
3: and not before, weirdly, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that that's fair. And kind of shifting gears to Hermione, there's a conversation between her and Harry where uh, she, I think, delivers the information a little bit uh, in the wrong way. When, <laughs> Because just based on Harry's reaction, I mean, Harry is going through uh, quite a tough time right now, as we know. And Hermione... Delivers the news sort of along the lines of, Hey, guess what? I was right all along about the half blood prince. And Harry's just, just kind of like, Okay, do you really have to rub it in now? And she's clearly been up to her usual, um, you know, she, she's in the library. She's been researching, trying to find out who RAB is, given that the locket was a fake. And she's come across really no information that's relevant there was two rabs that she came across Rosalind antigone bungs and rupert axe banger brooke stanton and i wonder if that's a little bit of a head nod to rupert grint at all wouldn't
0: that be the second one because yeah also calls i mean does jk rowling
1: like really like rupert around this time that she's writing this
3: book (laughs) it's a good name it's an interesting name well
1: is the rupert reference in the book or is it in the movie
2: I thought it was in the book.
1: I think it's
3: in the book.
2: If it were in the movie,
1: that
3: would be to take me out of it. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. All right. And then we get the information on Eileen Prince, the fact that somehow in her first go around, Hermione missed the fact that she was married to Tobias Snape. And then Harry makes a pretty strong indictment on Snape's character, comparing him to Voldemort and wondered what you all thought about that, making a comparison between Snape and Voldemort, just given the fact that they both had pureblood mothers, they had muggle fathers. Do we think Snape was ashamed of his parentage, or did he really just care deeply for his mother, and and that's why he took on the the Half-Blood Prince
3: nickname?
2: I always got the impression that... Tobias wasn't a part of Snape's upbringing. Am I wrong in that?
3: In Snape's memory, it's indicated that Tobias was mentally and or physically abusive of yeah. Eileen. Uh because it, all it is is young Snape's cowering in a corner while a, a man yells like sternly. Um so I I think it was not a, a happy marriage. Maybe as a muggle he felt emasculated by his wife's uh magic or threatened by it. Um, Maybe that caused it. Maybe that he just, he he was not a nice guy. He was not a good dude. And there are these comparisons to be drawn between Voldemort and Snape, who both didn't like their dads at all. They have a high degree of contempt for their dads. It does not surprise me that Snape went by, you know, the Prince side of the family, but where Harry's got it wrong is that Harry thinks it was all about his ego. Oh, you know, he he trying to he he had to play up the the magic side just like Voldemort did to be special. Right, Harry's just got it wrong because he doesn't have all the facts.
1: And I would lean more so that Tom Riddle was ashamed of his parentage, particularly his father. I don't know that Snape is ashamed of his parentage. I just think that he hates his
3: father.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, for for good reasons. And but I do think. They're probably both gone because Spinner's End is his now, or uh, the house on on Spinner's End, mm-hmm. right? I, I've
1: just never given much
3: thought to comparing Snape and Voldemort. Never really crossed my mind. Yeah, this is like a box checking moment. I think because we have to, we're in that weird position where we have to think Snape is bad for at least a half book yet to go before we can really know everything. So this is sort of necessary to have Harry being like, oh, Snape is just like Voldemort. And if, and I'm going to go after Voldemort, but if I happen to see Snape, and he better, he'll be worse for it, you know? Right.
2: Yeah. I think it's pretty likely that Snape and Voldemort had a lot in common when it came to their upbringings, just in terms of like having, you know, an absent father figure, whether that absence comes in the form of just being so abusive that they're just not actually helping to form you as a person or just being physically absent. And I also think that because, like it or not, human beings operate based on patterns and we draw perceptions about other people based on the patterns that we experience in our lives. So if Snape's first experience with a muggle was with his abusive muggle father, it would certainly explain why he might have some internalized biases against muggles. I mean, we've seen him discriminate against Hermione for being muggle-born, for example. Right. So I think it's entirely possible that he has these deep-seated prejudices, uh, he holds deep-seated prejudices against muggles and half-bloods and therefore has a little bit of self-loathing going on. But I think the difference with Snape is that he is able to see the bigger picture and the relevance that people of different blood backgrounds have to this world. And he's able to see that value, whereas Voldemort is not. Right. Because Voldemort holds himself above all others.
1: Definitely. That's a great point. One of the other things, though, that kind of comes towards the end of this conversation is Harry, he starts to really show guilt for trusting in the half-blood prince for the entire year and I think this is something that we felt was coming for a long time mm-hmm. and we we saw moments of it throughout the course of the book but now it's really hitting him given what has happened to Dumbledore and and really Snape's role in all of what has happened and what did you all take away from this particular moment. I'm sure if we were in his situation, we would feel very much the same. But Hermione and others were cautioning him throughout the course of the year to not really follow along to this yeah. book, especially after what happened to Draco.
0: Well, so in this chapter, Harry feels like Snape was playing him all along, right? Yeah. Because he guesses that Snape must have known that Harry had his copy of the book and i don't know if we ever get really confirmation about that but i think that makes sense to me and it just an- it's just another reason for harry to despise snape um mm-hmm. that he knew what he was up to all
3: along and pretending like he didn't know that he had the book yeah and it's very weird this conversation about snape being evil because s he says um if, if I had shown the book to Dumbledore, which I should have done, Dumbledore would know that Snape was evil even when he was young and at school. And it would sort of supersede anything that like older Snape overhearing the prophecy might've said to Dumbledore. Like it just would have been another opportunity for Harry to say, look, the, you know, this dude's evil. Um, Will you listen to me? And I, I think though, if he had done that, maybe Sna- Dumbledore would have, still pushed it aside, but then he would have chastised Harry for cheating on potions all year.
2: Yeah. I th- I think Harry is just at that bargaining point in his grief. Yes. And I think that that's the reason for this. Mm-hmm. Although I do think it's an interesting connecting the threads moment too, because we have here at the end of book six, where Harry is sort of feeling guilty about being misled by this book <laughs> that he has allowed to guide him all year And, you know, he's not following Arthur Weasley's advice of don't trust something if you can't see where it keeps its brain, um, which is such a huge parallel to the way Ginny Weasley was feeling at the end of book two for being so, you know, overtaken by Tom Riddle's diary. And ultimately, everybody was trying to convince her like, no, this isn't your fault. But in this case, like, can we argue it's like kind of Harry's fault? Yeah. (laughs) For trusting the prince? i want
3: to see the alternate universe where ron got the book and not harry still <laughs> and see what he did with it all year well, you can write you know? that fan fiction oh yeah i guess i could he would have used it the same way he might have yeah but well given what ron did with the when the snogging uh bug finally hit him and d- ran with it he probably would be uh the biggest hit in potions in the slug club yeah mm-hmm. we'll see all right.
1: Well, moving on, Andrea. you've noted here that uh, the Hogwarts Express is leaving an hour after the funeral. That feels rough yeah. for these students.
0: It does feel rough for the students. I haven't read this in a while. So just uh, reading that bit again, I was like, wow, that, that seems rough because you want time to mourn. I would feel like if I just watched Dumbledore be laid to rest i wouldn't want to immediately leave the grounds i would want to maybe sit on the hogwarts grounds and reflect on dumbledore's life for a little while i wouldn't want to suddenly be so far away from dumbledore i think that's another thing too Mm -hmm. didn't did this feel weird to you guys it's not a big deal but it's like i just felt bad for harry that he would have to leave dumbledore so soon
2: isn't this kind of a european thing like the train schedule will run
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the Hogwarts Express runs on they its own. They take their schedule. trains very seriously. They could have made a uh, special delay
3: for Dumbledore's burial. Well, I feel bad for the trolley lady. She's doing a double shift because she's coming to Dumbledore's funeral and she's got to make sure nobody tries to jump off the train. That is a busy day.
2: It's true. <laughs> and is she like having to push the trolley around at the funeral to feed people? Anything <laughs> off wow. the trolley, my I tears. mean, I don't know. <laughs> I. I'm I'm kind of being serious because like I'm Southern, right? So like, we feed people all the time, and especially like at wakes after funerals, like that's a big thing. Like you f- you feed people. I almost said a word I shouldn't have said on the show, but well, um,
0: there's no the, reception either, was there? Right. And yeah. I think that would be the time that they would be eating food, right?
2: I guess so. Probably not at, not at the actual funeral. That right? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs>
3: like the, imp- the impression I get is. <laughs> <laughs> Here's popcorn yeah for the watch watch the tomb erupt in flames ooh ah popcorn butter butter extra butter mr potter um <laughs> the the whole impression that i get is exams have been canceled people have already left hogwarts this is the very very last thing that's keeping anybody here people are ready to go home they're ready for the summer they're going to soak in the uv rays you know everybody's excited but but dumbledore's funeral at this point might feel like to some like more of a chore. And once it's over, it's over. The Hogwarts Express train can leave because there's no reason to stay anymore. All right. Might be it.
1: We do get a a moment in the the Great Hall prior to going out to the funeral. And it's noted that Crabbe and Goyle seem lost without Malfoy. And Harry's just kind of doing a, a panning of the room. We see that Scrimgeour is actually sitting in Snape's old seat, which I think answers one of your Quizage questions, Eric. <laughs> yep, from maybe two weeks ago, was it?
3: Yeah, that was two weeks ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean they're they they're lost without their boy. And it's kind of funny because it just speaks to uh how hopeless they are without their leader.
3: I feel like too, there's there's a parallel to be made between Crab and Goyle feeling helpless and uh, Harry feeling helpless without Dumbledore. Should they have like um,
0: banded together too?
3: <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, they've just had Malfoy guiding them for so long that, and, and we often get the sense, even their parents, like the, the Death Eaters, Crab and Goyle never really seem to have their own personality very much. Right. Um, so.
1: Yeah, they always kind of seem just... very much attached to Draco and now they don't seem to have a clue what to do without him.
3: Yeah, and it's a great moment. It's a great character moment for Harry to feel bad for Draco. Mm -hmm. Wherever he is, he can't be with his friends. Well, and do we think that this at all plays
1: into what happens in Deathly Hallows, maybe more so from Draco's end, knowing that he did have that moment of hesitation on the tower. He didn't look like he was going to harm Dumbledore in any way that he was too afraid to do so. Do we think that plays into his character in Malfoy Manor when he doesn't let the Death Eaters know that, in fact, Harry has been captured? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So, we now uh, head out to the Hogwarts grounds and are about to attend the funeral. And there's quite a long list of people that are in attendance. And I'll go through them here and we can discuss them Afterwards, and I know they're kind of spread out through a couple of pages, but I'll go through the list Lupin, Tonks, Mad Eye, Fred and George, Molly, Arthur, Fleur, Bill, Tom the Barman from the Leaky Cauldron, Arabella Fig, the Weird Sisters bass player, <laughs> Ernie Prang, who is the driver of the night bus,
3: yeah.
1: Madame Malkin. Aberforth, although he's not explicitly named, he's mentioned as the barman from the Hogshead, (laughs) the Trolley Lady, all four of the house ghosts, Cornelius Fudge, Rita Skeeter, Dolores Umbridge, Ferenz, and other centaurs who show up later on, the people, and Grop. So I have a few
0: questions about this guest list. First of all, why is Umbridge there? Is she just taking pleasure in seeing Dumbledore put six feet under?
2: I think Umbridge is all about appearances. Right. So this is just about trying to generate positive public perception for herself, I think. Mm.
0: It makes me sick to see her there. Oh, yeah. As it does Harry. Some people just shouldn't be allowed to attend. Like, who organized the funeral? You, sh- you should have put some uh bans on some certain people from arriving like Harry could have worked with them on that and Umbridge definitely would have been one of those people.
3: Oh yeah, and you know Umbridge like rode in the same carriage or whatever as Rita, you know, they're just <laughs> they're they're all there to just kind of cause a, a ruckus especially considering what Rita's about to do to write the tell all book on Dumbledore. Yeah. Um against him like These are people who actively, in life, did not have Dumbledore's best interests at heart, did not care about him, and now they're here. And that's the shitty thing about death, is there's not a thing Dumbledore can do about it.
0: Well, he could have put something in his will.
4: Umbridge cannot attend
3: my burial. Like McCain saying that you-know-who couldn't be at his funeral. Yeah.
1: I mean, I tend to agree with what Laura was saying in terms of it being a a perception issue for Umbridge. I think that for her in particular you know is probably like well fudge former minister is going scrimjars is in attendance it would be bad for her assuming does she even still have her position within the ministry or has she been let go after what happened in order of the phoenix
3: uh she's there in deathly Hallows.
1: well i mean that doesn't mean anything if
3: was she there before the death eaters took over oh yeah i think so i think she's still senior under secretary to the minister and is therefore required to or you know put in appearances as you say.
1: Well, and Percy is there. That just reminded me that Percy was there as well. I left him off the list, but I don't think he's mentioned until later on when Scrimgeour
3: tries to kind of corner Harry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ron uh is avoiding him. I think Harry notices his glasses in the great hall. I think is what it is. Yeah.
0: Um and then I also wonder about people from Dumbledore's earlier years like there's no mention of course this is from Harry's perspective but there's no mention of really of any other strangers there besides this short man with a hat who speaks who is that person you would think that that person is significant to Dumbledore and yet we don't really get any information about that person the one who eulogizes Dumbledore yeah who is that I mean that's an important speech to make
2: I think it's Yusuf Khan, personally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's old credence, clearly old credence. Yeah, I mean, you would. It would be cool if it was somebody from the Fantastic Beasts series,
3: uh, but yeah, I don't know. It it is funny how it's. I I wouldn't call it a cop out, but it's even Harry can't hear every word of the eulogy. He doesn't need to he's just like making his own piece and he still like breaks down and realizes it's all over for him. But how shocking is it kind of that we actually don't get the eulogy because JK Rowling could have absolutely written had she wanted to a beautiful summary of that man's life prior to it being deconstructed in the following book. Right, mm. That's a good point.
1: It is a little odd that we don't get any real context to the eulogy, and maybe that's just because information there would have you know, spoiled some of what was to come in Deathly Hallows. Uh when I when I thought of the the person giving the eulogy, one person that did come to mind was was Elpheus Doge, who oh, yeah. Harry speaks with in the next book. Um, <sighs> I'm not entirely sure what his appearance is like, but we know that the two of them were very close growing up, and one would think that. He was at the funeral, but also brings up Andrew, your question about who else is here that we don't really know about or or maybe there are folks that we just even if they mentioned names, we wouldn't know who they are or their level of importance to Dumbledore
3: right. certain people like Madame Maxime, you know a fellow head head person at another wizarding school makes a lot of sense, and then somebody like the Weird Sister's bass player. <laughs> Like I want to know what his person, not that Dumbledore ever had. Maybe to like-
0: Dumbledore was a big fan. Yeah, maybe.
3: <laughs> like they had, they probably had a close personal correspondence. For sure. Yeah, it,
1: knowing that Hogsmeade was as busy as it was, there were obviously other people there that we wouldn't be able to identify.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Then again, Dumbledore was old, a hundred and fifteen. So maybe a lot of people from his past have now passed. True. Oh yeah. But I think Harry should have delivered a speech. Wouldn't he want to do that?
2: Or you know, Scrimjower? Yeah. Or no, excuse me, not him. Slughorn.
0: Why Slughorn?
2: I mean he he gave such a great eulogy of Aragog, <laughs> and
0: it was off the cuff, wasn't it?
2: The
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: party will decode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Uh, or will he, it um, in this tomb? I don't I don't think so. Oh, in this tomb, yeah, no, it's perfect. Uh, classy, preservative. Dumbledore kind of just going back to the
1: point from the beginning of the chapter with Madame Maxime showing up, I thought it was a really nice tribute on the part of J. K. Rowling to have the centaurs to have the mer people come out and and pay their respects in their own way. I think it speaks to Dumbledore's character and and his reach just as a person I mean this
3: is interspecies tribute. Is is how good it is. Like these people would would these creatures would keep to themselves normally. The centaurs only care about what's in the sky, except for Ferenz, who's been more, you know, familiar and and is actually a teacher at the school. Mm. Um, the rest of the centaurs they don't need to be there, and the fact that they are there shows that they know how significant this is.
2: Well,
0: now Dumbledore is in the sky too. <laughs> oh
3: man. Yeah, I wonder if he has like a star appeared the night he died. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> <laughs> that was very Disney. That right, was exactly. Mm. <laughs> um, but but the Mer people like Harry reflects. Dumbledore knew Mermish. Dumbledore took the time to learn how to interact with the people in the lake. And it's kind of like, I mean, they're your neighbors. They're they're your neighbors in the in the lake. They have their own society, presumably a matriarchy, by the way. How cool is that? Uh, the Merchieftanus, uh, is, is one of the lead, you know, creatures that comes out and, and sticks her head above and is singing the song Harry recognizes. And so it really is a testament to Dumbledore. Like, even though there's not individual speeches from various characters, uh, the, the fact, like the, the sheer presence of these beings, um, states all you'd ever really need to know. Yeah.
1: And also, they scare the bleep out of Umbridge, at least the centaurs do.
3: <laughs> it's worth it just for that.
1: Towards the end of the ceremony, the tomb, well, actually the body, right, bursts into flames and is replaced by this tomb. And wondering, is, is this the standard for what happens at a, a wizarding funeral?
0: Yeah, I'm wondering that too. I Probably not. And so I'm a little confused. So the body was there, right? Mm, Yep, it was laying out.
1: Well, it was wrapped Mm. in
0: a cloak, and the tomb wasn't there. It wasn't like on top of the tomb, right? That's the way that I interpreted it. Yeah, and and that it was on top of the tomb.
1: the The way I've kind of read it, and I think Laura has kind of a similar thought was I felt like it was just kind of the magic exploding out of Dumbledore, like the last Mm -hmm. moments of, well, he's obviously passed at this point, but just like they've had the ceremony, everything's come to a conclusion. And it's sort of just like all the magic that was contained within him just like bursts out of him. And maybe it is traditional at at wizarding funerals, but this guy was obviously way more powerful than most.
3: Several people scream as if they weren't expecting it. So- I don't know if this would be standard at Wizarding Funerals, although it's possible those people hadn't seen a funeral before. Maybe it is commonplace. Maybe those were like the squibs, like Arabella Figg, who's there, who like wouldn't have seen it before. Don't know if it's common. But I get the impression that there was an outside force acting like somebody there made it happen versus it just being Dumbledore's corpse knowing somehow that he's been properly eulogized and now can explode into a tomb to encase himself in yeah laura what did what did you think
2: well i i was thinking specifically about how harry thought that he saw a phoenix for a split second after the tomb explosion and i sort of saw it as like a soul ascending moment now i don't know if that was something that just happens automatically because the body is just sort of like aware that it's been eulogized but i think there could be magic sort of inherently tied to funeral ceremonies in the wizarding world um that that might sort of happen but i don't not really sure how that works but i definitely like i know one of the questions we had here was like is this fox the phoenix like dying alongside dumbledore yeah i didn't read it that way because i feel like the way it was described it's like a plume of smoke and for a split second, Harry thinks he sees a phoenix. And I thought that was intended to represent Dumbledore, not necessarily that it was Fox.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, que- I questioned uh, in our segment on Fox over on Patreon. <clears throat> we really did like a deep dive on what the connection is and whether or not Fox flew away to die or Fox flew away for good, never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was possible that Fox kind of came in and dive bombed the, uh, the tomb here at the end of the eulogy <laughs> like, and,
2: and like, like Birdemic demic ins- yeah well it
3: bird uh bird um kamikaze but uh instead of being reborn from ashes then it created the tomb Mm. uh like the stone or whatever tomb. i don't know if we're going by the movie where it's like from ikea we said it was like the ikea tomb (laughs) it's the smoothest rectangular stone marble Mm. tomb but
1: yeah i don't know the only thing i would say there is that that phoenixes are are supposed to be immortal creatures right but, but it's jk
3: Rowling's style of immortal. It's like Nicholas Flamel is supposed to be immortal too, but if he stops drinking the elixir of life, he will die. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's kind of like
1: what we always hear about, you know, in with certain mythical creatures like they're tied to their human counterpart and if one dies, so does the other.
3: Yeah, I mean, if phoenixes were really immortal, there would uh, they would still be here today. Yeah, exactly. All of the ones that ever lived would be. They'd overcrowd the earth. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like we we got into the low population of phoenixes in that segment too, so yeah, yeah. definitely worth a listen.
3: See our segment on Fox and Dumbledore. Yeah.
1: And then what about the movie? Because somebody just mentioned it, the fact that this was omitted from the film, and we really only see the White Tomb in Deathly Hallows when when Voldemort uh, is in search of the Elder Wand. Do we feel like they didn't? appropriately pay tribute to Dumbledore by not including this in the films? I can't remember if I've said this previously, but I feel like
0: if they were to do the movies now with as big as the fandom is, with how popular Dumbledore is, I feel like they actually would have included this scene Mm. because this is such an iconic character and it just gets passed over pretty quickly in the movie. I would have loved to have seen this scene it would have been very emotional. The whole theater would be crying. Yeah, I, I think it was a big missed opportunity. And again, this is what a TV show would allow them to do. They'd have all the time in the world to show every scene.
3: There I agree, too. But I know we've talked about this before on MuggleCast because the movies weren't out yet when we were doing this. But, you know, movie six, the, the, example, the reason given was pacing. It was always pacing, pacing, this, that, the other thing. Um, but really, if you look at it from a more technical standpoint... The money that they would have to pay the actors, like uh, the you know the Madame Maxime actor, just to show up and be there for two minutes, it, it'd be a broken bank. I know Harry Potter's a multi-million dollar franchise, but you have all these people that um, it, it just wouldn't mean the same thing. The movies were, at least from movie three on, all about Harry's story and not about anybody else's like Dumbledore. So you can have a moment like this in the book where all these people show up to pay tribute but in the movie, it wouldn't translate as well. You just wouldn't understand the significance or who these people were the way that you do, the way that it's written in the books, because there hasn't been enough time devoted to who all of these people are.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I can see that. But at the same time, I think as a book reader, one of the things that you want to see in the movies are these types of moments where these characters come together. Some of them maybe not even – overly recognizable, but to be able to point to a character and say, oh yeah, the fact that this person showed up is kind of cool. And yeah. whether you know, they, they don't have to go through the entire list of people that we rattled off earlier in the chapter. But I think to see, you know, Arabella Fig and Madame Malkin and and Ernie Prang and, you know, go down the list it would have been interesting to have all these characters together in one place. And we get that at the start of Deathly Hallows a little bit with the wedding, but it's it's not the same.
0: Uh, it- not the same exact characters, but we also get it with the Battle of Hogwarts as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there's blink and you'll miss it appearances from a lot of these. Oh, characters, yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, Marvel made it happen.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And how everybody was like really emotional watching that yep. scene. That was a very and emotional everybody scene.
2: Everybody was there. Yeah. <laughs>
3: that's a that's a
1: good point. So Harry feels a ton of remorse as would be expected during this funeral and and afterwards and and he's kind of going through in his mind everybody that he's lost now and he says that you know he can't let anybody stand between him and Voldemort anymore. It, it has to be him versus Voldemort and I think that it's an important moment for him. It's obviously something that in the story, you know, the hero now that he's lost sort of his mentor has to come Face to face with, but it, it is an important moment
3: yeah it's 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 Harry realizing he's on his own and resolving to create the world that he thinks needs to happen, like create to follow that narrative and it's it's following under that sort of guidance that path that he's setting for himself that he decides right then and there to break up with Ginny at the funeral. Does this man have no class he's ever you guys ever been broken up with at a funeral before?
0: yeah that is a pretty rough place okay. to do it as if as if things aren't sad enough in this moment mm-hmm. yet Ginny jo- isn't too shaken by it, maybe perhaps because of where they are at this given moment, but also maybe she saw this coming a little bit because Harry knows he now has this journey to go on
3: yeah it's it's pretty good actually I will say you know I was a vocal critic of there's three weeks that were omitted between chapters twenty four and twenty five where after they kiss they're all of a sudden they've been dating for three weeks. Harry actually references. These past few weeks have been something like out of someone else's life," mm-hmm. he says to Ginny as he's breaking up with her. Um, and you know, I don't. The time will tell if you know, and, and your mileage may vary if that that line works for you as an acknowledgement of what they've had together. For me, it's a, a, a only serves to illustrate that those three weeks are still missing. We don't know what happened. Um, but Ginny does, as you said, Andrew. She takes it really well. She actually starts to smile. She knows it's for some stupid, noble reason, like going off to save the world. And she doesn't really put up a fight. She doesn't say, I can help you the way Ron and Hermione do when he tries to leave them. She lets it happen. And Harry's really only regret is uh, that he didn't start dating her sooner. Um, So I I think this is a pretty good, you know, it's it's never going to be, they can't be together until after Voldemort's gone. And I think Ginny as a character knows that Harry won't be satisfied. She even says, that's why I like you. That you're gonna you won't rest until you're hunting Voldemort and you're you're happiest then. So I have to let him go.
2: It's pretty mature for a 16 year old girl.
3: Yeah. I agree.
2: Or for Um, a 16 year old in general.
3: Do you think do you think it's Mary Suey?
2: Kinda. I I still feel like we're all of a sudden presented with a Ginny in book six who's just like really cool and we're just supposed to accept that that happened with really very little character development for her between books two and six. Yeah. Mm. As a reader, yeah, it would have been easier for me to accept if we had seen that happening before she became Harry's love interest.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like J.K. Rowling maybe wrote herself into a bit of a corner here with needing to get this in before the book wrapped up, but not really having a good place to do it, given that she had just brought them together not
3: that long ago? Well, the most awkward thing in the world for me is that Harry breaks up with Ginny. She's cool with that they leave. Harry tries to break up with Juan and Hermione. They say, no, 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 you're not going to do that. He agrees. And then they're like, let's meet together at Bill and Fleur's wedding next year. And so before we go hunting, you also have to be in Ginny's presence again. And it's just there's no reflection where he's like, oh, shit, Ginny's going to be there, too. You know, it's like we're all getting together at this huge wedding and it's going to be a great thing. But he didn't need to break up with Ginny now. He could have done it at a wedding instead of a funeral.
2: (laughs) I don't know if that's better.
3: (laughs) I think so. But also,
2: like, this is just it's such a typical hero arc. He literally says to her at one point, you know, Voldemort will use you against me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, just because you break up with her doesn't mean that you don't care about her anymore. <laughs> right. and this, It's like every single comic book. Like, yeah. I can't be with you because my enemy will use you against me. Yeah, yeah they still will.
1: Yeah. The whole family is is in jeopardy. Like it's not as if right. if Voldemort doesn't know that Harry is very strongly attached to the entire Weasley family. I if anything
3: I would say Ron is more of a target than Ginny.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, I I'd like to see Ginny go with them camping. It just seeing how many different people destroy the horcruxes in the end, I kind of reject the traditional narrative that that J.K. Rowling's really going for about the hero's journey. It has to be him and him alone. It's true. In the forest again, it is Harry alone completely. But if he's taking some people along with him camping, why doesn't he take the whole pack? Like Ginny could have helped somewhere somehow. Neville could have helped
0: start the fire, somewhere. hunt for fish. Yeah, dance in a tent with. You Harry. know she does
3: a great reducto. That could come in handy. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> but I, Micah, I do think the point. <laughs> I do think the point you raise is really interesting, particularly given the the context we got after the books were finished when jk rowling confessed that she wrote the ron and hermione relationship as a form of wish fulfillment right and it it does it does make you wonder if she was feeling that at this point in the series Mm -hmm. but was sort of like in too deep yeah on some of the relationship setup she had done (laughs) and was like well it it Guess this is it, it is very
1: rushed. It, and and Harry doesn't really have a whole lot of time for romance really in any of the books. Everything is just kind of very secondary to his quest to defeat Voldemort. But mm-hmm. again, that's the focal point of the series. It isn't about yeah. relationships, at least from that standpoint. So uh, they will be broken up. Sorry, Eric, heading into Deathly Hallows. But that's okay, I'm fixing it. One person who does try and... Uh, mend relationships with Harry is Rufus Scrimgiar and he fails yet again.
0: <laughs> I Very was pretty fierce in this scene.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a little bit rough, given what has just happened. And the question that I have coming out of the conversation, though, is is should Harry have considered working with the ministry? We We discussed this earlier on in the book when when he tries and and convinces tries to convince harry to work with the ministry around the holidays but given that dumbledore is now gone what do we think should should he have tried to gain more allies here
0: Well, first of all, I think that Scrimjower brought this up at the wrong time. Yeah. I think that was his first mistake. This is not the time to be confronting Harry about this. I I get that time is of the essence, but he should have waited a day or two. I guess J.K. Rowling just wanted to get it into this book, so maybe that's why. And also, Scrimjower is just not a great person. But, um, no, I look, everything worked out for the best, right? (laughs) I don't think Harry needed to... uh, change his thinking on this okay
2: yeah i think given how flimsy the ministry is and how quickly it falls after this probably a good thing that harry didn't like you know saddle up to them in
3: hindsight i agree it's probably best i also worry though that like maybe harry could have saved rufus's life like rufus is supposed to be this huge great horror so it doesn't I don't really feel pity that he like he just didn't see how his own ministry was so infiltrated by Death Eaters and spies. And that's kind of on him. Um, but like I do regret for Harry's character that Harry wasn't more caring about, you know, there was something to the argument of be the be our poster child. There was something to give people hope. That, that's sort of a noble cause. And it's not that different from something Harry would do under normal circumstances. But Harry, again, you guys release shit, Stan Shunpike yet? Like he's very much dying on the hill of Stan Shunpike is a good person and you've done something wrong by him. And so I'm not going to, to help you. Uh, and you know, that's okay. That's a valid, like that's just, but that's the position he's taking. And if Harry at all by not helping the ministry cause one or two extra deaths or there to be less hope in the world, that's on him.
1: All right. Well, the chapter wraps up with Harry trying to go his own way, but is convinced somewhat by Ron and Hermione that they will be joining him. He's on this quest to find the remaining horcruxes. He repeats them over and over the same way Arya repeats her hit list in <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Ilan Payne, Cersei. Yeah. The hell. Exactly. Yeah. And uh he says though, if he does come across Snape on his quest to find and destroy these Horcruxes, he will also destroy Snape. And I wonder what would have happened if the two of them ever came across paths with each other prior to
3: Harry finding out about the truth. Well, they do in the uh with the silver doe they just don't know it and i think yeah I, i'm talking about literally face to face confrontation yeah. yeah
0: unless harry was about to whip out Avada cadavera and and catch snape off guard i don't think harry would have won that duel
3: you're right he would have had his ha- ass handed to him the same way he did on the hogwarts grounds the night dumbledore yeah. died
1: yeah and they do come face to face at hogwarts i'm just saying during his camping excursion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, didn't Dumbledore take great care to tell Snape to make sure that that didn't happen? Yeah.
3: Probably, yeah. Because it would have colored Harry's experience. If Snape shows up and gives him the sword of Gryffindor and is like, this is the real one, Harry wouldn't trust it. Because Harry doesn't really have the mental capacity to understand the nuance that went into everything surrounding Dumbledore's death until the very end until Harry's literally over Snape's corpse and holding memories. Mm. Yep. So I agree. Everything happened for in, in the exact order that it had to.
1: And we're given a bit of a teaser for Deathly Hallows. Harry talks about having to go back to Privet Drive for one last time, given that was a direction from Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. That They will be attending Bill and Fleur's wedding, which is at least somewhat of an uplifting event to look forward to, given everything that has just happened. And Harry has a really strong desire uh, to return to Godric's Hollow. So the place that we've long been wanting to go for six books now, it seems like we will get the chance to in book seven. Pretty cool stuff.
0: So there's a lot of teasers here for book seven. I thought that was kind of nice. It's, it's a bright but ominous warning that we're going to, I mean, the final line of the book is Harry reflecting on the fact that he's about to have one more nice time with his friends at this upcoming
3: wedding before things get real so Mm -hmm. yeah the the final line is classic in spite of everything in spite of the dark and twisting path he saw stretching ahead for himself in spite of the final meeting with voldemort he knew must come whether in a month or a year or in 10 he felt his heart lift at the thought that there was still one last golden day of peace left to enjoy with ron and hermione and screw jenny i broke up with her it's it's done (laughs) all was somewhat well (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) Exactly. But but there is a possibility there in whether it in one year or in ten. There there seemed to be maybe a hint that book seven wouldn't wrap up in July of the following summer. Uh, Mm Oh. Or that it would take her ten years to write Deathly Hallows. (laughs) (laughs) Ten
0: years, come on. She's
1: giving herself a good uh, I mean a good good. Look at George R. R. Martin.
0: Yeah. Could have gone that way. Could you imagine if we were still waiting for seven? (laughs) Yeah, that would be
2: And they just went ahead and finished the movies without the books
0: <laughs> went completely the wrong direction. We all hated how it <laughs> ended. Uh.
3: all right,
2: yep, a dragon just Norbert just came in and just set everything on fire. <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> Norbert uh remember <laughs>
2: oh, that's right, <laughs>
3: yeah, it's it's a book seven thing, I think,
0: yeah, so I wanted to give m v p my mVP of the week to the house ghosts. We didn't really talk about them, but they stepped into into the light. I was kind of surprised by that. I feel like they should be like vampires, where if they come into the light, they just burn and disappear. So I admire that. I'm surprised anybody was even able to notice them, because I feel like in the sunlight, you could not see a ghost.
3: I'm weirdly fascinated by that whole situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I've said this earlier during our discussion, but my MVPs are going to the mermaids and the centaurs, um, because they're totally different. You know, societies and totally different species. I wrote, it's like if we went to a funeral for the world's most renowned walrus. Mm. You know, like what we've Interesting. Have no, no business being there. Have
0: you ever been to a funeral for a
3: walrus? Would you go to one, Eric? Um, well, oh, oh, I guess the better comparison would be Harambe. Did people go to Harambe's funeral? <laughs> I don't know. People made a joke out of him. That just makes Yeah, made that sad. was real sad.
2: I mean, he- 11,000 people voted for Harambe in the 2016 election. It's
3: like that. So the centaurs and the mer people, like it just takes a lot of respect. So I'm writing in Dumbledore next election.
2: (laughs) Please don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, please vote. All right. Uh, I gave mine to Aberforth, not mentioned explicitly by name, but we are told that he is in attendance and uh, just has to be very difficult for him to attend his brother's funeral kind of in disguise, incognito. Nobody really has a sense for who he is. But despite everything that has happened between these two in the past, I'm sure that it's still a very tough situation for him to be in. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And I gave mine to Harry for telling Scrimgeour to shove it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Time now to rename the chapter, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 30, next time on Harry
1: Potter.
3: (laughs) I did uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 30, Stupid Noble Reasons. I went
1: with Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 30, Phoenix Rising.
2: And I did Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 30, Harry's First Funeral. Oh. Oh. It's kind of like. What about been, Aragogs? Well, it said in the chapter that this was Harry's first funeral. Oh, okay. He'd been yeah t- because
3: Sirius is human. this was the weird thing they mentioned Sirius didn't have a body to bury so did they just not do like a right. memorial service because I think that's just a situation of Sirius having no family to mourn him.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. crazy.
0: All right, so that's Half Blood Prince. So what are we doing next on MuggleCast? Nothing. We're away for two years. No. <laughs> So we've been looking at our archives, and we have a list of every single chapter by chapter discussion we've done on the show. And there are actually still a couple of holes. Half Blood Prince was a big one we never pursued, so now that's done. Hooray, we did Yay. it! Yay! But we have realized that we never did the final chapter of Sorcerer's Stone, and we never did the majority of Order of the Phoenix. So, and I know this is a little awkward. But we're going to go backwards, and we're going to do the final chapter of Sorcerer's Stone, but before we do that, we're going to do a couple of general discussions about Sorcerer's Stone, just to kind of catch everybody up, just to kind of reflect on it, uh, you know, after so much time. Personally, I'm going to be reading the illustrated edition to do this, Ooh, yeah. and I'm I'm really excited about that. Um and then, since we haven't done the majority of Order of the Phoenix, we decided that we're just going to start Order of the Phoenix over, because it would be weird to jump into Order of the Phoenix at, like, chapter 10.
3: Right. That's just dumb. And back when we were doing Order of the Phoenix, I think we were condensing chapters. We were. So you get an episode that's, like, three chapters per episode and stuff. So, so I mean, think of what that would do to seven-word summary. We just, you know, that's so many. <laughs> it would be 21-word but, but summary. I mean, <laughs> But the new segments, we're going back. We're going to add all these new segments MVP, rename the chapter, seven word summary, all the things you loved about book six, we're doing it for book five. And
0: And I think we'll add at least one new one just to kind of shake things up. But the other thing, yeah, I'm looking at it now. We only did 10 chapters of Order of the Phoenix. There's 38 chapters in that book. We want part of our legacy to be the fact that we have done every single chapter in the series. So now is the time to go through you know to fill in these gaps it is really bizarre that we never did the final chapter of sorcerer's stone it's like we just forgot we thought
3: we lost <laughs> like i thought we thought that there was like an accounting error but we there it's there's not we just didn't do it yeah. <laughs> really
0: yeah
1: some some news looked. must have broke and we just forgot about it
0: yeah i think so I see the episode after the penultimate Sorcerer's Stone chapter is titled "Andrewless," So maybe that's why. Oh, yeah. You left him. You guys lost me and then it was just a mess from there.
2: And then you lost the final chapter of Sorcerer's Stone.
0: (laughs) Right. I took it with me.
2: (laughs) I'm super excited about this because I actually still have my original copy of Sorcerer's Stone that I got when I was 11 years old. It's like tattered and falling apart. But I will read that one.
0: That's so cute. How many times yeah. do you think you've read that particular copy?
2: Oh, God. Probably probably between just like going back and referencing parts of it, and not necessarily doing full rereads. Mm-hmm. I would assume I have to have read through the book at least 10 times. Yeah.
0: And so we feel like this is a good opportunity because we have about two years, right? before Two and a half years until... Yeah. Until the next Fantastic Beast movie. So, this will be a way to, uh, you know, a good way to spend that time. And honestly, you know, we mentioned the Harry Potter TV show. There's going to be more stuff coming. And I feel like by the time we do Order of the Phoenix and, and this one Sorcerer's Stone chapter and a couple of Sorcerer's Stone general discussions, there's going to be a, a lot more to talk about in the world of Harry mm-hmm. Potter. They just keep adding stuff. So, um, yeah, we're excited about these plans. I think we have some good plans to get us. You know, we have a solid path for at least the next year, if not longer. So, that's what heck
2: we'll yeah. Do. Order of the Phoenix is the longest book in the series, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. We're good. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> it's my favorite personally. That's always been my favorite book. Oh, and it'll be great to reread it in today's day and age, and just just older. I think something we did with Half-Blood Prince that we haven't with our past chapter by chapter discussions has been just applying the lessons in these stories to our own lives. So we'll do that with order of the Phoenix as well. By the way, we would love your support over at patreoncom slash It's the reason why we are weekly. And we just announced our 2019 physical gift. (gasps) It is a tote bag. And, um, it's, it, we're going to post the picture on social media. We let patrons have the first look at it. It's, um, it's this
3: big, <laughs> already doing a bad job of describing it. Eric, describe the bag for us. I said we should come up with bullet points that we referenced to talk about it on every episode. Well, this, let that be a lesson to you going forward. It's our, it's, our, it's our big reusable tote bags. They are made of durable material. They look great. We have a new slogan to, to rival last year's mugs where we said no latte is safe. The slogan on this one says, carrying magic since 2005
2: oh that's really cute i saw the pictures of these as well and they're really nice yeah i'm excited to get one yeah yeah,
0: yeah definitely so. well you're not a patron so you won't get one
2: but. <laughs> uh, yeah whatever okay.
0: um yeah they're really great bags i'm really pleased with how they turned out i had fun taking pictures of these you, you all will see the pictures soon if you haven't already we have a nice jar of pickles with it. Somebody was like, ha pickles, that's so random. <laughs> they must be a newer <laughs> listener
1: because otherwise you understand why pickles oh, are in. Well, we, Andrew, only they you knew. should just specify, though, the jar of pickles does not come with the tote bag. No, neither does the
0: LaCroix. Or the Wizarding World map, or the wand, or the physical <laughs> copy of Half Blood Prince. I thought it
3: was excellent staging. Got a lot of compliments uh, on that too. Thanks. To pass along to you, um, but yeah, the the great thing about tote bags and why we settled on this physical gift, we we this is what we were you know debating for a couple months now too, like what would be the best gift. But you, can, I wasn't debating. <laughs> Micah was sure. But the the real thing is you can take them anywhere you go. You can take them to the beach. Um, you can also take them to the grocery store. A lot of people now are becoming more and more wary of using plastic uh, plastic bags and reusable bags are slowly but surely becoming the norm. And this is going to be good for that. Uh, So So help save the environment, help save the environment. Exactly. So uh, we'll be sending out um, these bags actually in the month of September, the majority of people will get them in the month of September. That's as quick as we can get them produced. Um, And more information on that will be available on Patreon. But you can still get a shot at this, you can still get a shot at having these uh, collectible items. We only do them once, you know, we did t shirts, the first year mugs, the second year, this year's physical gift. To get it, you need to sign up by July 31st, Harry's MJK Rowling's birthday, to be eligible yeah. for this gift on Patreon. Yeah. And
0: just to be clear, if you do pledge by that time, you will get it. Yeah. Eric said you, you get a shot at it. I oh, don't want it sound oh, like it's a giveaway was, yeah, or something. You will receive it. No, absolutely. If you pledge and remain a patron for a couple of months. Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. So, again, patreon.com slash mugglecast. You also get access to our live stream, so you can listen to the show early as we are recording. With uh, fellow patrons, and they all chat as we're recording, so that's always fun. Thanks to everybody who's joining us today. We also have an exclusive Facebook group. We have the links line where once a month we ask you a question, and we might read your answer on the air. And we also do bonus MuggleCast. And of course, the physical gift every year. Patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Thanks everybody
1: who supports us there. Yeah. quizage, Eric, the last quizage for uh, Half-Blood Prince.
3: The last Quizich, here we go. Last week's question: What material do Fred and George wear to Dumbledore's funeral? I am surprised we didn't get any dialogue from the twins. They could have really put some some laughter into the whole thing. But oh, there, I I thought you meant like the actual actors responding to you on oh no, social no, no, media. No, I didn't. I didn't. I,
1: I actually I, I can answer this question. Oh, you can. Yeah, they wore Drogon to <laughs> <laughs> Dumbledore's funeral. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. Black. Uh, you're supposed to wear black to a funeral. It symbolizes mourning. They wore black dragon skin, which shows how fancy they've become with their shop. You know, I assume dragon skins probably pretty, pretty pricey. They look pretty sleek. So people who submitted uh, the correct answer include Issy Marcantonio, longtime Quizzitch player, who's about to complete her master's degree in English literature. So shout out to her and congratulations and thank you for playing Quizitch. Also, Reda Gambo, JK Not Rolling, Ali Frega, Michelle, Marlena, Moonstar is the freaking best. Okay. Megan- We spoke about Moonstar a few episodes ago, didn't we? Uh, we talked about Wolfstar. I wonder- Wolfstar, that's what I'm I wonder thinking. what Moonstar- eh, I'll have to look that up. Maybe they're just calling it something different. Uh, Megan Callanin, Tara, now I see a promotion for KFC who are not playing Quizich. Sarah Davis, Fluffy <laughs> McNutters, and Super Mandy. I hate this. This I'm never going to get over this ad thing. Um, but congratulations to the people who successfully played Quizzitch. And you know what? I do have a Quizzitch question. Quizzitch may never die, even though we're doing no more. I mean, we're doing chapter by chapter. But you know what I'm saying. Next week's Quizits question is, which book ends in with the following sentence? And together they walked back through the gateway to the muggle world.
0: Oh, that's
3: beautiful. Yeah. You should have said all was
0: well. (laughs) (laughs) Too easy. Too easy. None. (laughs) All right. Don't forget to follow us on social media, MuggleCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want to contact us, contact us, MuggleCast at gmail.com, or call us, 19203-Muggle- That's 1920 368 4453 I think next week's episode will be a mailbag of sorts Mm -hmm. as we reflect on Half-Blood Prince and catch up on some emails and voicemails. We have one voicemail I've really been looking forward to playing. Oh. It concerns the dark mark.
2: Interesting. And people
0: getting tattoos of it.
2: Yeah. I have some feelings about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So did this caller. We need to play that. I I really want to ask people about this. So we'll do that next week. Also, don't forget that we have a P.O. box. Did y'all know that? MuggleCast, 4044 North Lincoln Avenue, Box 144, Chicago, Illinois, 60618. Ooh. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm um, Michael. And I'm Laura. All was well. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.